Hi, I'm Joseph McClendon III, and welcome to the Cure for the Common Life podcast. Listen, you know as well as I do that motivation, empowerment, and inspirational stories, they're all well and good, but that's not what keeps us going. That's not what's going to change your life, and that's not what's going to move the needle in your health, your wealth, your happiness, your abundance, or your ability to be able to help other people and make a difference. What keeps us going, what produces results in our lives is activity, not action, activity. And when you can get yourself past the things that stop you and hold you back, that's when you'll thrive and that's when you'll crush it. And I humbly offer you these tools and strategies to kick your own ass and make the changes so that you can thrive. But most of all, I'm going to give you something every single time that you can do to create a change in yourself. Life is exactly what you dare to make it and fortune favors the bold, baby. So if you're ready, let's bold. Hey, what's good? I'm Joseph McClendon III, and I hope the sound of my voice finds you healthy, happy, and most of all, safe during these crazy times that we're in right now. And I'm coming to you by myself this time, whereas probably about 60% of the time I'm going to interview somebody, and I've been doing a lot of those lately to bring you their insights and uh, share with you some of my mentors and friends and uh, teachers during my time to help bring, as I said to you before, some methodology to live an uncommon life. But I'm coming to you today by myself because I wanted to have a real conversation with you regarding what to do during these times that we're in right now. You know, you may or may not know this, but I have the privilege of uh, coaching and mentoring a lot of people uh, through the years as a neuropsychologist as well as a uh, a life coach and, and a mentor. And so... A lot of people call me these days. A lot of people have been asking me a lot of questions, and I love answering questions. And though I don't know everything, oftentimes I'll be able to get the answers to questions with regard to how we function as human beings and how to get the best out of ourselves. And the question has been coming across to me a lot lately. I mean, a lot is, what do I do now? What do I do while I still have this time? What should I be doing? Because a lot of people are, quite honestly, going a little crazy, and a little stir-crazy. And whenever you're listening to this podcast, maybe sometime in the future, this is right in the middle of, I think we're about four months into the COVID-19. If you're listening to this recently, then you know where, <laughs> you know where we are. It looks like, I, I live in California, and it looks like um, we're going through another round of it. It's been on the uh, rise again, almost doubling what it was before. My state is, again, looking at shutting back down, and maybe even the country is going to do so as well. So politics aside, how we've handled things is, let's just say, not ideal compared to other countries where they are. So what is happening is people are looking at, well, looks like I'm going to be inside by myself or with my family for a little bit longer. And what should I, could I be doing to best utilize this time that's going on. And also in the midst, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about or mention, of course, we are in the greatest, and I say greatest in that not it's a, it's a good thing, in some ways it's good, but let's say the most impactful racial turbulence in my country's history, as far as I'm concerned. The great part about it is, is that change is starting to happen. The great part about it is that change will happen. The great part about it is, is that so many people are on board and recognizing that something that has needed a bunch of attention for a long time 
is now in the forefront and people are starting to get it and realize it and uh, stepping up and doing something about it. The great part about it is, is that a lot of people are locking arms. You know, I've always said that it's in time of crisis that it brings us together. People with good hearts and goodwill and love in their hearts and caring and compassion. That's where we come together and we help each other. When you look at times like the wars that we've had, when you look at times like 9-11, when you look at times, things that have happened in my country and around the world, it tends to bring people together. You know, when I was a kid, my dad said, listen, as separate as we are and as crazy as things are, and this was back in the 60s when my dad said that, just to give you an idea of how far I go back. I was just a little kid and he said, you know what, if little green men come down to this country, it will unite us. (laughs) And so it's not little green men. It's just humanity's coming together right now. And so right now, when people are asking, you know, how should I be dealing with all this stuff? I don't know the answer to all of that. I have some answers with regard to individual situations, with regard to how to protect yourself, how to stay safe with yourself and everything. But I want to talk today about what you do while you're on your own so that you can best do what I call ethically capitalize on this time that we have right now. And what that means is, is that at the end of this, when it's over, whether it's five months from now, whether it's six months, 10 months, two years, time keeps marching on. There's nothing you can do about it. Time keeps marching on. And so let's take it two years from now, and it's two years from now, you're going to be looking back and you're going to be asking and answering one of two questions, maybe even both of them. What did I do during those times that I'm glad I did. How did I serve other people? How did I make a difference? What did I learn? How did I serve myself, my own outcomes? How did I serve my own body, my life, my family? What did I do that I'm glad I did so that now I'm thriving, so that my life is better now, so that now as I look back on those times, And I recognize maybe I had some difficult times. Maybe I had some ups and downs. And maybe I was unsure during those times, but I stuck it out and I'm glad that I did that. And again, as a result, my life is thriving as a result of that. And of course, if you're asking those questions, obviously you want to ask those questions now, start answering them now. And of course, in the future, you'll look back and you'll say, well, you know, I studied a little bit more. I learned a new skill. You know, I volunteered, I reached out, I helped some other people, all of those things, the answers that support the life that you get to live in the future as a result of those rituals, those habits that you developed back then. Now, the antithesis of that is you're going to ask yourself the question, what do I wish I would have done? What am I sorry I did not do? What do I wish I would have contributed or given? Who do I wish I would have helped? What phone calls should I have made? What investments should I have made? What skills should I have done? What habit should I have cultivated? What activity should I have done over and over and over again so that I have an unbelievable skill now? Who should I have listened to? And of course, if you're asking that question, it means that there's going to be a regret in the, in the future. And obviously, there's going to be regret with everybody. But you can stack the deck by doing certain things now. And so I have a couple of, of suggestions that I'm going to suggest for you to focus on right now. And the next few podcasts, I'm going to give a few other suggestions. 
of what you can do to answer that question, the first question, what am I glad that I did? And this has to do with the time that you spend with yourself. Now, some people are telling me, Joseph, I'm never alone. You know, I got a house full of family and everybody's, you know, under each other's foot and everybody is, is just in everybody's business. And I got that. I understand that. But listen, there's always a place where you can go by yourself. You can go be by yourself, even if it's just for 10, 15 minutes or longer and take that time to do a few things, whether you're going to meditate or whether you're going to, you're going to write something, you're going to read something. You know, I have people, a few people that are saying, you know what, I, I picked up, I started to do something that I always wanted to do, play a musical instrument or learn how to dance or, or learn how to, you know, write a book or any of those things. Those are awesome things that you want to do. Take this time and sit down and go, okay, what habit am I going to build? Because that's what it's going to take. Anything that you're going to do is not just going to be, you're going to do it once. You're going to do it over and over again. And you're going to set yourself a ritual so that you come out on the other end with some sort of skill. And remember, a skill is just the culmination of you having taken some sort of action, activity over and over again. That's how you develop a skill. And so I want to suggest a skill to you that is going to pay off 50x through the rest of your life. And it's something that I started doing many, many years ago. And I got to be honest with you, I'm going to tell you, I still work at it, but I'm so, so much better than I was. And that is the F word. That's right. You know the one I'm talking about. And it's not faith. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Believe it or not, it is one of the most powerful skills that you can have for a bunch of different reasons. And one of those reasons is, obviously, it makes you feel better <laughs> in the moment. Now, obviously, forgiveness, there's a lot about that. You say, Joseph, what do I forgive? Well, that's up to you. And I'm going to give you an exercise because, as I always promise, on anything that I do, whether I'm talking to somebody else or, or I'm giving you something like I'm given now, I'm always going to give you something to do so that you can produce a result. Otherwise, it's just good advice and just something else you learned and stuffed into that bonnet of yours that hopefully you might access a little bit later. But instead, if you do something, then several things happen. You create a habit. You create a ritual. Because remember, our lives, our futures are not created. Our futures are a result of the rituals that we not only decided to do, but we continued to do. Rituals create habits, and habits create the future. It's as simple as that. And so I always ask people, when people say, well, okay, what do, you know, I want to do this, Joseph. I want to make more money. Or I want to have a better body. I go, well, where are you right now? And they say, well, okay, you know what, I make, you know, $60,000 a month, I hate my job, you know, or, you know, I'm overweight and I'm unhealthy and, I, and I'm lethargic and I don't have any energy and I have disease or whatever, because always everybody wants to change something, yeah? And I say, okay, well, where are you now? Where are you now with regard to your rituals? And they go, what do you mean? And I go, what do you do to maintain that status that you just said right now? And they go, what do you mean? And I go, what do you do every single day? Now, oftentimes, when I talk to people and I, I do things like that, I use the low-hanging fruit called weight loss or health and money. Now, obviously, there's, there's many, many more things to, to uh, talk about, but I use those because those are measurable, and they're ones that most everybody can relate to. 
And so when somebody's overweight and unhealthy or, or underweight and unhealthy or whatever, to have a, some sort of disease or whatever, I go, what are your rituals now? What have you been doing to cause it to be that way? And they go, well, I don't have any rituals. And I go, you might think that you don't, but you do. A ritual is anything that you do over and over again, religiously, no matter what. And most of the time, our rituals are unconscious. In order for a person to be overweight and unhealthy, obviously, they got a ritual of eating too much and eating the wrong types of food and not moving their body. That's a ritual. Oftentimes, when people think of rituals, they think of, okay, it's something that I do that's good for me. Not necessarily. we got bad rituals as well. If you're broke, if you don't have any money, <laughs> there's a ritual that you're doing. And is a ritual that you maybe did a long time ago, because in this day and age, it's obvious that, and it's even, and especially now during these crazy times that we're in right now, it's obvious that anybody can rise to a level of financial abundance if they want to. I would stand toe to toe with anybody and argue with anybody that tells that, says that they can't because of their station in life or their race or their, their gender or anything like that. That's just not true anymore. It might be harder for you. It might be difficult for you. It might be harder for you than it is somebody else, but you can still do it. The amount of people who succeed is, is directly proportionate to the amount of people who give up, isn't it? Conversely, the amount of people who succeed is directly proportionate to the amount of people who just keep going. <laughs> and of course, the amount of people who fail is, is directly proportionate to the amount of people that, that just give up. It's that simple. And so the concept of forgiveness does so many things with regard to keeping you going, with regard to making you feel, with regard to empowering you and, and, and inspiring you and keeping you going. But let's look at what forgiveness is and why it is so important. And I'm going to talk to you about what it actually does to you, your body and your brain on a physiological and emotional level and why it's so important and why now is the perfect time to do it. First off, let's talk about what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not condoning. Forgiveness is not saying that's okay and I'm letting it slide what happened. Because if you do that, then guess what? It may happen again and you might not be aware of it coming down the road. And that's a hard one to swallow is to tell somebody, listen, I've had some horrible things happen in my life. I'm sure you have as well. And when people come to me, come into my office when I was doing private practice and they go, listen, you know, I had my heart broken or somebody stole some money from me or, or cheated me out of this, you know, or something happened or I got abused or whatever. It's not my place. And I never would say to let that person go, say, it's okay that you did that. Of course not. That's condoning. It never would be the situation where you would step up and just say, okay, listen, I forgive you for that. It's okay that you did that. No, that's not the case because it's not. That's A, not going to make you feel any better. And B, that's not going to prevent it from happening again. Because if you are able to say something to a person that did something to you or something that happened, then you let them off the hook and they say, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. And you don't want to do that. Now, there's two types of forgiveness. One is outward forgiveness for somebody else that whether they did it intentionally or unintentionally, did something that caused you pain or hurt you or some sort of sorrow that changed your life in the negative. And of course, there's inward, inward forgiveness. Both of them are the hardest things to do for most people. Both of them need to be intentional that you do that. And so 
what forgiveness is, forgiveness is not condoning, but what forgiveness is, is if you are for giving, for giving, for giving up the pain associated to the memory. Because if you're forgiving something, it's obvious that something happened in your past. Maybe it was something out of your control. Maybe it was something in your control, but it's in the past. And the reason why it tears us up and the reason why it holds us back and the reason why it denigrates our life going forward and probably has for far too long is because the memory of it that lives inside of us is a painful one. And every time we think about it, consciously or unconsciously, brings about some sort of emotional pain, regret, anger, frustration, all of those things. And the challenge with that is this, with every emotion comes a chemical storm within our system. Hormones, adrenaline, cortisol, stress hormones, and different things that come within our body, which are acids to our nervous system. When I say acids, I truly mean actual acids. They literally eat, they eat away their stomach lining, they eat away at our, at our nerves, all of those things, our brain releases those chemicals, those stress chemicals that causes us to feel bad. But it's just a memory. It changed. And I could sit here and say, listen, you need to just realize that not one iota of you now is the same as it was back then. If it was over a year ago, every cell in your, over two years ago, every cell in your body has shifted, has changed. You're not the same person. And that's, you know, that's cliche to say that. And that's the truth. But the reality is, is the pain still feels real because of the memory. The pain still feels like it is, it is, it just happened. Now that's when we consciously know it. If we sit down and we keep thinking about it, all of us have had our heart broken and you keep thinking about that person and over and over again. And in our brains, we keep having that last conversation that we had with them. Or we had a conversation that maybe we wish we wouldn't have had. Or we had a conversation that they said something terrible or we said something terrible, whatever. When we think about it consciously, it causes us pain. And that's obvious. But the hidden dragon, the hidden monster is the unconscious unforgiveness the unconscious, when we don't even know it. And for some reason, our hearts are heavy. For some reason, we have that, that feeling in the pit of our stomach and we don't know what's wrong and we don't know why we're, we are, we are feeling unresourceful and why we're feeling down. That's because it's unconscious, but we still have pain attached to it. So you got to be for giving up the pain. That's the first step is to recognize that, wait a minute, I am, I'm ready to let go of the pain. I'm ready to let go of the peanut. <laughs> and that metaphor I love to use, and the metaphor is that's how they catch monkeys. Now, I'm a conservationist and I love animals, so I don't approve of, you know, trapping and catching animals and keeping them as pets and things like that. But this metaphor works for that. I saw it on the Discovery Channel. You can look it up on YouTube. How they catch monkeys is they get a coconut or like a gourd and they drill a hole in it and it's just big enough for the monkey to squeeze his little hand inside of it. And they take that coconut, or actually several of them, and they tie them to, uh, they tie them all together with ropes. And then they show the monkeys that are in the tree, they have a peanut or a piece of fruit, and they put it inside the coconut through that little hole. Now, the monkey sees it, and the monkey sees them putting the peanut inside there, and then the hunters go off and eat a sandwich. One by one, the monkeys run down the tree, they shake that gourd or the coconut, and they squeeze their little hand into the hole, they grab that peanut, 
And now they can't get their hand out because while they're holding the peanut, their fist is too big to pull back through the hole. Freedom is on the other side, and all they got to do is let go of the peanut. They don't let go of it, and they wind up getting caught and becoming captive. Well, human beings are the same way. We, on, we don't know that all we got to do is let go. And I know it sounds easy. I'm going to give you a way to do that here in a moment, is let go of that pain, and all the freedom is on this side. Let go of the memory. Because as soon as you do, as soon as you do what I'm going to tell you to do, the brain reacts just the opposite of what it does when we think of pain. It releases dopamine, which is the most powerful drug your body has. It makes you euphoric. It, it does release a little bit of adrenaline, but combined with that dopamine, what it does is makes you feel good and makes you relax, makes you feel like it's possible. And the pain goes away. In the moment, but you can do it long term. You can condition yourself so that it happens automatically. And that's the real key. Look, we've all had some terrible things that have happened. If you know me, I had some, I've had five different acts of racial violence on me. Two of those times, they tried to take my life. And two of those times, it was done by the police, the people that we're supposed to trust to protect us. And the other two times were by, let's just say, other racist people. And you know what? I hated them for a long time. And I lived my life in fear. And there was a time in my life that, <laughs> it's hard to imagine now, but I was absolutely miserable, constantly. And I'd forgotten about what happened to me. I would get triggered when I'd see a police car. I would get triggered when I'd see certain types of people. And many of us do. But then I learned the ritual that I'm going to give you. I learned the ritual that I'm going to give you that turned into a habit, and now it turned into who I am. And again, yes, I still work on things because still stuff happens. And the ritual is of pain release. Pain release. And the pain release is the pain of regret, the pain of forgiving, the, the pain of thinking about, the pain of remembering anything bad that has happened to me. Now, here's the great thing. You don't have to go back through your life and think of all the terrible things that have happened to you, what somebody did or what you did to yourself. And by the way, I've done things in my life that I'm not proud of. I'm not going to mention them here on the air, but we've all had that. We've done things that we're not proud of that we'd never do now, but we did them, said some things, maybe did some things, treated somebody poorly, if you will. And most of us have never forgiven ourselves for that. When we think about that, guess what? It causes ourselves to denigrate ourselves. It causes us to, to judge ourselves and not allow ourselves to feel good during that moment. And so the great part about what I'm going to show you here is it has what's called a global effect. And what that means is you don't have to go back and figure out everything. You just got to choose one or two or three or four or whatever, the big things. And when you work on those, it has a processional effect on all the other things as well. Remember, forgiveness is a skill. As I said at the top of this, it is one of the most important and valuable skills that you'll have. It changes everything. Just by virtue of the fact is it changes the blood that courses through your body and causes you to focus on certain things in that moment. It changes things. And so here's what it is. And I want you to write this down if you can. If you can't, <laughs> just remember it. Remember this saying, two sayings. Number one, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. 
Now, that's a, that is a NLP, New Linguistic Programming, uh, psychological term. But what it means is this. You can't change the past, but you can change how you feel about the past. You know, when people come into me and they go, listen, you know, I had this terrible thing happen to me or I'm afraid of dogs, I'm afraid of heights or whatever. I don't have to know what caused it. For their sake, oftentimes I let them talk and tell me what they, what they think, what they feel, so they can get it off their chest. But the reality is, all I got to know is, can you remember it? And in the moment when they remember it, I know they're in that place and I can do something about it. Awareness is always the first step. And so I always say, let's kill the monster while it's a baby. Let's cheat and bring it out in the open and let's kill it while it's a baby. You've heard me say this before. That if you come into my office, you get a fear of dogs, take a guess what's going to be there. There's going to be a dog. And the reason being is because I want to experience you and I want you to experience you at your worst so that I can do something about it, so that we can do something about it. The second saying is, the first saying is, it's never too late to have a happy childhood. You know what that means. We can change how you feel about something. But the second saying is, every pain, excuse me, any pain is an action signal to interrupt my pattern. Now, on previous podcasts, I talked about pattern interrupts. I'll tell you again what it is, is all you got to do is just stand up and shake yourself out because it causes a scotoma, a blank spot, a vacuum in your mind. And that vacuum always wants to be filled. And so if you deliberately cause yourself to feel bad, and while you're feeling bad in the moment, if you just stand up and shake yourself out and take a deep breath, then what happens is your brain goes, what's going on? And in that moment, you're highly suggestible. And in that moment, you can put anything you, you want in. And your brain won't argue with it. It'll take it. And so you can self-administer your own pattern interrupts, and you can self-administer what you want to put in that place. And I'm going to tell you now, just for simplicity's sake, all you got to do is smile. Feel bad, interrupt your pattern, and smile. Why? Because you are a mechanical being. When you smile, it forces your brain to release dopamine and endorphins that make you feel good. And it goes in that place. You do it enough times, you will, you will struggle to get back to that pain. We've all had that happen to us before. We're sitting there thinking about something and all of a sudden somebody comes along and it interrupts the pattern or something happens and you can't remember what you were talking about. What you might not know is if you do that over and over and over and over again, you'll never get back to where you were. It's like scratching the record, if you're old enough to remember uh, records, or scratching a CD. It's never going to play the same way again. And this simple, simple exercise, here's the way I want you to apply it. Number one, I want you to sit down and I want you to list as many outside or external incidents and situations and circumstances and memories that you have of something that happened to you that somebody else did to you or you perceive somebody did something like that to you as many as you can. I want you to take, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes and do that. And then the second thing that I want you to do is once you have that, I want you to pick out the top one or two. And you'll know what they are because those are the ones that make you feel just awful. You don't like thinking of them. And by the way, most people have not even thought about these things, the bad ones, for a long, long time. But I want both, one about yourself and one about other people. And so you bring them up and, you know, you're saying, well, Joseph, why do I want to make myself feel bad? Because you want to make yourself feel good. And then all I want you to do is this. I want you to choose one from each category, an external and an internal. And then all I want you to do is I want you to think about, 
Let's say, let's start with the external one. Remember, you know, somebody that broke your heart or, you know, something happened, you got fired. I remember one time, look, I had a, I was a dental technician. I worked, I put myself through college making teeth, making dentures. And I had a, I had a boss and he was, you know, basically a nice guy. And I worked really hard and I made him a lot of money. I remember it was, he would pay me for the day. And this is back in the day. He would pay me like $55 a day. And I would make probably five or six dentures during that day. But he would make $1,000 every denture. And I understand he's got overhead and all that stuff and everything, but he'd make $1,000. And so I'd worked for him for a while. And I thought, okay, one day I thought, you know what, I'm going to go in and ask for a raise. I'd never asked for a raise before. And I remember it took me weeks and weeks to get up the courage and do it. And I waited and I waited. And, and then finally, it's the end of the day. And it was a good week. And I'd made the guy a lot of money. And I went into his office and I said, doctor, can I, can I, can I talk to you for a moment? He goes, sure, Joseph. And, and he's, and he said, sit down, you know, what's going on? And I said, and I asked him, you know, cause I'd talked to somebody, how do you ask for a raise? And they said, make sure that you're valued uh, uh, and all those things. So I said, do you like the work that I do? And he goes, absolutely. And he goes, are you satisfied with, uh, you know, the way that I show up and how I present myself? And he goes, absolutely. I think he said, you're, you know, you're probably my greatest employee. And I said, well, I'm here because, you know, I got some things that I want to do and I haven't had a raise for, uh, you know, for a long long, long time. And um, I was wondering if you would give me a raise. And I forget what it was. It wasn't very much. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, you know what? He says, I can't give you a raise right now. He says, but I tell you what I will do. I'll give you more overtime. If you want to work overtime, then you can do that. And I walked out of there with my tail between my legs and I was humiliated and I was disgusted and I was pissed off and I was mad. Well, that actually spurred me to do some other things. But you know what? I carried that around for years, long after I had left there. For years, it was in my gut. And I was angry at him, and I was angry at myself, too. So that was one one of the ones that I chose. That was somebody else, and it was me. And all I did, and even as I'm saying it right now, I, I don't have that emotional charge that I do. So I think about it, and then stand up, shake myself out, and smile. You know, I always say, shake your ass and do something and release that dopamine. Then I think about it again, stand up, shake myself. Think about it again, shake myself out, smile. Stand up, shake myself and do this over and over and over again. I want you to do it 10 times for each one, three times a day. And I promise you, if you do this, by the end of, actually, just in a couple of days, you won't be able to remember it. You won't be able to feel it. You will change your personal history. You will self-administer forgiveness in yourself. You will self-administer love in yourself. You will self-administer a drug called dopamine being released. And this is a skill that I want you to have. If you do this, then you will master forgiveness. And at the top of this podcast, I said, what do you do while you got this time alone? This is one of the most important skills that you can do. You got the time now. Go for a walk when you do this. Go sit in your garden, do whatever it takes to make sure that you do this. And I promise you, and what I'd like you to do is please respond back. You can, you can respond back at the, at the bottom of this podcast. Give me your thoughts. Give me your ideas. Give me your progresses, your questions or whatever. And I promise you, this is something that you can work on yourself. And this is one of the biggest cures for the common life that you can have because a lot of people go through life. Most people go through life comparing themselves and blaming themselves and and regretting. Get it out of there. Now's the time. This is a skill that you are going to love. Listen, I want to thank you so much for allowing me to share my ideas and, and my experiences with you. And the only thing that I ask is this, is that you learn it, you get your results, and you share the wealth. 
You become the teacher. You know, my mentors always taught me, Joseph, you don't know something until you can teach it yourself. Well, this is something that you can teach. Get out there and show other people. You get your own results and then get out there and teach it to other people. And remember this, life is exactly what you dare to make it. And fortune favors the bold. I love you. I appreciate you. Stay healthy, happy, and safe. And I'll see you at the top. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Cure for the Common Life podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. And if you have any questions or comments or any topic ideas you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at josephmcclendon.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you at the top.